Welcome back, everybody. My name is Will. This is The Space News by Space Industry News. And today we're going to talk about the Space Force that was suggested by President Donald Trump. The President of the United States of America, Donald Trump, was in San Diego speaking with an audience of Marines and other military and he mentioned that he wants to have a presence in space to defend the United States. So here's the clip of Donald Trump. Uh, he's talking to the Marines at Air Station Miramar in San Diego, California. Uh, the clip is about a minute long. He talks about the Space Force. He talks about getting a new sort of branch of the military up in space. And you decide for yourself if it's a good thing or a bad thing for us to have a militarized zone in space. In space, the United States is going to do Colonel Glenn proud. We are finally going to lead again. You see what's happening? You see the rockets going up left and right. You haven't seen that for a long time. Very soon, we're going to Mars. We wouldn't have been going to Mars if my opponent won. You wouldn't even be thinking about it. You wouldn't be thinking. My new national strategy for space recognizes that space is a war-fighting domain, just like the land, air, and sea. We may even have a space force develop another one. Space Force. Do you have the Air Force? Do you have the Space Force? Or the Army? The Navy? You know, I was saying it the other day because we're doing a tremendous amount of work in space. I said, maybe we need a new force. We call it the Space Force. And I was not really serious. And then I said, what a great idea. Maybe we'll have to do that. That could happen. That could be the big breaking story. Look at all those people back there. Look at them. I'm going to be upfront and honest with you guys. I think it's important that I do that. I don't think we should militarize space. It's not the place that we need weapons. We don't need nukes in space. We have enough things on the ground and in the air that can destroy enough people that we really, really don't need other things that are going to be able to destroy people from satellite low earth orbit. We don't need that. We really don't. We have nuclear weapons that can obliterate humankind in just an afternoon. We don't need it. So I'm going to let you guys decide on your own. I mean, think about it. Do we need nukes? Probably not. Do we need nukes in space? I don't think so, man. I really don't. I don't think that's... It's really not the place for us to do this. We can't even win wars on the ground. And I feel passionate about space. I think we should explore. I'm like a Star Trek kind of guy. You fly up to space. And then from there, it's a peaceful voyage to explore the unexplored, explore the unknown, learn new things, and use that technology to better humanity. I don't think we need things in space to blow up humans. That's not going to get us anywhere. That's not going to get us further on. So that's my take on it. 
I hope you guys kind of take this into consideration when you vote. You know, are you going to vote for somebody who's going to put nukes in space or who's going to put a military sport, uh, military force in space? Think about that. Are there going to be armed people in space? Do they have laser guns? I don't know how this is going to work. I don't know what his idea is. I don't know what any of their ideas are. I mean, he could have been pandering to the crowd. Who knows? Who knows with uh, politicians, you know? So I'm just going to babble on about this stuff. I could babble on this stuff for a long time. Um, I'm more along the lines of, like I said before, peaceful discovery. That's what we should be doing in space. We have robots doing that now. Why don't we spend that money instead of a military presence in space? Why don't we spend that money on, say, exploring space? Uh, We've explored the moon. We haven't explored Mars. We haven't been to Europa yet. We haven't sent anything to Europa. Uh, These are the things that... You know, they need to be explored. These questions need to be answered. We need to know if there's other life in the universe. So, I mean, even the galaxy and our neighborhood, we need to know that. That's really important to us. Now, I also think that it's a possibility that uh, this administration is kind of using this as a way to fund space exploration. You know, when we went to the moon, that wasn't for exploration. That was for... Uh, flexing, you know, showing somebody else who's more dominant, you know, who can go bigger, go further, who has the biggest rocket, so to speak. And we made it, we made it to the moon, but it was under circumstances that, you know, there could be a nuclear fallout and we wanted to flex and we wanted to show how strong we were. We got there. But it was under false pretenses. We weren't really there to explore and learn things about the moon as much as we were there to uh, get funding from defense to, uh, you know, just smoosh it all together, get a giant rocket and shoot people up into space. Uh, I mean, I think that's uh, we might be doing that. I mean, we might be doing that again. Who knows? Who knows what's what they're actually thinking? But Trump. I mean, he stated, we should have a new force called the Space Force. It's like the Army and the Navy, but for space, because we're spending a lot of money on space. Now, if this is going to increase NASA's budget, is it worth it? Is it worth it to increase NASA's budget so NASA can kind of lead the the charge and get more... Funding for uh, bigger rockets, better rockets. I mean, is it worth it to us? You know, should we militarize space so we can get to Mars? Or should we let the private sector get to Mars? Should Elon Musk and SpaceX get to Mars first with a little help from NASA here and there? I don't know. I mean, we don't have these answers. I don't have these answers. A lot of people don't have these answers, and we're not going to have the answers for a while. November 8th, 2017. Um, this article published at the Hill, uh, states that Congress will not create a new branch of the military dedicated to space, uh, said the senior armed services committee staffer. Um, so the national defense 
uh, sorry, uh, Authorization Act, the NDAA, would require the Pentagon to conduct an independent study on the issue. Uh, and it quotes, the conference does not have space corps, but we have, uh, in the language for the Deputy Secretary of Defense, to have a federally funded research and development center not affiliated with the Air Force look at the long-term prospects of creating a military department to deal with space. A senior House Armed Services Committee staffer, committee staffer, uh, said on on Wednesday. It was Wednesday that this thing was published. So they tried it back then. They needed more information. Maybe they got a little bit more information. Maybe they studied it, and they're moving forward with it now. And that it's kind of scary. It's kind of scary to know that there might be nukes in space. President Trump, please do not put nukes in space. That doesn't make any sense. I can also understand if the military were to maybe place some spy satellites in orbit. That, we've been doing that forever. And who knows what's up there? We don't know what everything that is launched. There's top secret stuff that flies into space all the time that nobody knows anything about. You have to have top secret clearance in order to know about it. So... There's things up there that we don't even know about. Things are getting launched, and we know this. There's documentation of the rockets launching with top-secret clearance. I mean, it's all it's all over the place. And there's also another reason why we would have a Space Force. Protecting our crucial intelligence and communication satellites in orbit. Um, another country could launch something into space, into low-Earth orbit, it's weaponized and could destroy our satellites, destroy our GPS, and we would have no power over it. Um, these things are being tracked. You know, our satellites are being tracked. Everybody knows where they are if you're in the intelligence community. So basically, you know, and I don't want to fear monger or anything like that. Basically, what another country could do or another entity could do would be launch a militarized satellite into low earth orbit, point it at our GPS satellites and destroy them. And we have no GPS in the United States after that. Um, how difficult is that to do? That's very, very difficult. Now, what does the United States want to do? It's possible. It's very possible that they want to defend those satellites it's very expensive to have those satellites in orbit. It's very expensive to launch those satellites. And it's very important to have um, communications all over the country. So, and it's not just the United States. It's, you know, other countries as well. So GPS, communication satellites, spy satellites. I mean, there's things up there that we don't know about, like I was saying before, that we might need to protect. And it's possible, and I'm just, I'm just kind of throwing this out there, that... Um, another satellite, another ship could dock with one of our satellites, take it down, do whatever, you know, do whatever they're going to do. They could just smash into it and be like, oh, whoops. Oh, whoops. We broke your satellite. Um, we just kind of like, kind of like flew out of, flew out of orbit. It's not our fault. It was an accident. Take down one of our giant, you know, communication satellites or whatever. Now, um, you know, and I'm just, I'm just spitting stuff right now. None of this stuff could happen. It might not happen. 
none of us on this side of the White House or of the military or of the intelligence community know of anything like that as a fact. I'm just saying these things to throw them out there because it's a possibility. Another factor in this is, is this even legal? We signed the Outer Space Treaty in January 27th of 1967. And the Outer Space Treaty represents the basic legal framework of international space law. And its principles are simple. It bars states to the treaty from placing weapons of mass destruction in orbit of Earth. And not only around Earth. You can't install them on the moon or any celestial body or otherwise stationing them in outer space. So we cannot, according to this outer space treaty, have nukes in space. It limits the moon and other celestial bodies to peaceful purposes and expressly prohibits their use for testing weapons of any kind, conducting military maneuvers, or establishing military bases, installations, and fortifications. But, and this is a big but, the treaty does not prohibit the placement of conventional weapons in orbit and thus some highly destructive attack strategies such as kinetic bombardment are still potentially allowable. It also states uh, that the exploration of outer space shall be done to benefit all countries and that space shall be free for exploration and use by all states. So are we allowed to put weapons in space? The short answer is yes. We can put conventional weapons in space. We can launch projectiles down at the earth. I mean, we can, the uh, kinetic bombardment is basically dropping things onto your enemy. Uh, it can't be weapons of mass destruction, but it can be you know, gigantic boulders or what I, I mean, gigantic pieces of metal or whatever you want to do from space um now can we have rifles up there it seems like it it seems like we can have conventional weapons can you have a shotgun in space it sounds like it can you have an automatic rifle in space i believe so uh the united states is also part of the partial nuclear test ban treaty and it was uh signed off in 1963 by the United States and a bunch of other nations. So we cannot launch nukes in space. I should say we cannot test nukes in space. All of these resources are available. Uh, search Google. You'll find Wikipedia articles about them. Very long, interesting articles about these things. So right now I'm going to uh, post the whole speech from President Trump so you can hear everything that he had to say on that day. Not just the space stuff. There's a good 45 minutes of the speech. So you can kind of get where he's coming from. He's talking to a, a military audience. So he likes to talk to them about military stuff like militarizing space. Um, so here you go. Here's the whole interview. Uh, he speaks, like I said, for about 45 minutes about military stuff and of course other things too and about fake news of course everyone wants to hear about that right so here we go take a listen i'll catch you later uh thank you for listening i appreciate every single one of you if you really really like this podcast uh 
give it a like, give it a thumbs up, give it a rating, whatever you want to do. Rate this thing. Leave a comment on iTunes. It really, really helps a ton. Um, I'm going to start putting out more podcasts. I'm a one-man machine here, so I'm trying to do this all on my own. Uh, So if you rate it, if you download it, everything helps. Thank you so much. I'll see you later. Here is our president, Donald Trump, with his speech at Miramar. Here we go. And very importantly, most important, to all of the military spouses and family members here today, we know that you really serve, too. In many cases, you're the real boss in the family, right? We know that. So thank you. None of this would be possible without your incredible sacrifice and the tireless support that you give. So thank you all. And finally, to the thousands of Marines here today from Miramar. 
Camp Pendleton. I want you to know how proud we are of everything you do. And you know, we have General Kelly here, four-star, and he's doing a great job in Washington. I think he likes what you do better than what he does, but he's doing a great job. He misses you. Your devotion fills our allies and our families with confidence. Your courage fills our enemies with dread. And your example inspires countless young Americans who dream of being the best to someday wear the uniform of the United States Marines. All of you know the truth of the famous saying, once a Marine, always a Marine. Now, I have to say, the Army, Air Force, Navy, Coast Guard, you're great too. You know we have a couple of them scattered. But I'm with you all the time. Today with, with those Marines, I'll tell you, I gave a uh, speech recently at the Coast Guard Academy in Ashoka. And between Annapolis and West Point, Air Force Academy, we've done them all or we're doing them. So uh, we'll see you guys very soon. But today, I hate to say it, congratulations. I'm proud to say that we have several really tough Marines serving in our administration. So not only John Kelly, but Defense Sec Secretary. Now, did anyone ever hear of Mad Dog Maddox? No. He's doing a great job. Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Fighting Joe Dunford. You know Fighting Joe. And our new director of the Secret Service, and veteran of the 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing, General Tex. You know General? You know him? Tex A, I call him. Big General Tex A, right? We know him. So Tex, thank you. Our administration is stacked with Marines because Marines are the kind of people you want at your side. And trust me, you don't ever want to be on the other side of a fighting Marine. It's trouble. Painful. The Marines are the first into battle and the first to fight. Marines never give up, never give in, never retreat, and never, ever surrender. You are faithful to each other, faithful to your mission, and you are always faithful to the country that you love, the USA. And as your Commander-in-Chief, just like every president before me, I have no greater comfort than knowing I can have absolute faith in you. In 1918, when foreign military aggression threatened our way of life, we called on the Marines. Marine Sergeant Dan Daly urged his men through those horrible trenches with the courageous battle cry that you all know very well. Do you want to live forever? That was the question and that was the cry. In 1945, when we needed someone to scale the cliffs and to plant the flag on a rugged mountain peak, in Iwo Jima, we called on the Marines. In 1950, when setback loomed in Korea, well, you're doing a pretty good job this 
Hopefully something positive will come out of it. Hopefully something very positive is going to come out of it. We'll see. And we're prepared for anything, right? We always have to be prepared for anything. But I really believe something very positive could happen. Great for Korea, North and South, and great for the world and great for this country. So when it loomed in Korea and when we needed warriors who would fight against all odds in the chosen reservoir, we called on the Marines, the legendary men of the frozen chosen. In 1962, when America needed a man to board a rocket, launch it to space and orbit the Earth for the first time, we called on a Marine the one and only John Glenn. The legendary acts like these of sacrifice, courage of Harris are the proud legacy of the United States Marines. Your heritage drives you, your heroes inspire you, and your actions immortalize you in the pages of American history. Incredible. And every day you push yourself new heights of excellence and new depths of courage, keeping America safe, America strong, and America free. You honor your duty to your country. Now we must honor our duty to you. For too long, the men and women of the United States Armed Forces have been asked to do more with less. You've borne the cost of underinvestment and deferred modernization, and also deferred maintenance. You've endured longer and more frequent deployments. You've spent countless hours fixing and maintaining old equipment. You have fewer ships than we should, fewer planes than we should, and you have fewer of you than we should. Today, I am very pleased to report that all of that is changing, and all of that, as you have seen, is changing quickly. The Trump administration is committed to a policy of peace through strength. We have finally ended the devastating defense sequester that we've lived with for many years. We are now undertaking the largest military buildup since Ronald Reagan and one of the largest buildups we've ever had in the history of our nation. Last year, I requested and received an additional $21 billion to address urgent readiness shortfalls. The two-year budget agreement I just reached with Congress will provide $700 billion in defense funding this year, the largest ever, larger by far than any country has ever spent. And next year, we will raise that number to $716 billion. Even for you, that's a lot of money. We're also investing in our greatest 
weapon of all, our most powerful weapon, our most beautiful weapon, our most brilliant weapon, you. In 2019, we want to give you your largest pay raise in over a decade. You deserve it. You deserve it. You deserve it. And we're building new F-35 Joint Strike Fighters, and we're going to send them right here to Miramar along with lots of other fighters and lots of other weaponry. Weaponry like we've never had before or since before. They'll be sent also all over the world. And I understand some of you really great pilots could use some new CH-53s. Is that a correct statement? You want to see some new ones? Huh? That's the group. Well, you're getting them, okay? You know, you're brand new, right off the line. You're getting a lot of great stuff. I'm happy to report that in the near future, Miramar is getting brand new CH-53K King Stallions, the big ones you're getting. They'll be sent soon. They're coming. They're being made. We're also modernizing our nuclear capabilities and rebuilding our nuclear infrastructure. We're investing more money than we have ever done before because we have to be so far ahead of any other country. It's a capability we never even want to think about using, but we have to be prepared. And in a nuclear front, we are so far and will be so far ahead of any other country. We have no choice. We've increased investment in hypersonic weapon systems by 50%, and we're accelerating development of hypersonic systems that can fly five times the speed of sound. That's pretty cool. In space, the United States is going to do Colonel Glenn Proud. We are finally going to lead again you see what's happening? You see the rockets going up left and right? You haven't seen that for a long time. Very soon, we're going to Mars. You wouldn't have been going to Mars if my opponent won. You wouldn't even be thinking about it. You wouldn't be thinking about it. My new national strategy for space recognizes that Space is a war-fighting domain, just like the land, air, and sea. We may even have a space force develop another one. Space force, where the Air Force was a space force. In the Army, the Navy. You know, I was saying it the other day, because we're doing a tremendous amount of work in space. I said, maybe we need a new force. We're going to space force. And I was not really serious. And then I said, what a great idea. Maybe we'll have to do could happen. That could be the big breaking story. Look at all those people back there. Look at them. Oh, that fake news.
They know. They understand. So think of that. Space Force, because we're spending a lot, and we have a lot of private money coming in. Tremendous. You saw what happened the other day. Tremendous. From the very beginning, many of our astronauts have been soldiers and sailors, airmen, Coast Guardsmen, and Marines. And our service members will be vital to ensuring America continues to lead the way in this. Uh, we're going to lead the way in space. We're way, way behind. And we're catching up fast. So fast that nobody even believes it. I also have released a new national security strategy that underscores the vital importance of homeland security. It's all about homeland security, right? We protect people all over the world, but we're going to protect them better than ever before in our homeland. About time, right? Nobody's going to mess with us. Dangerous criminal and terrorist organizations relentlessly seek to exploit our immigration system. I've just come from a trip to the border, where I met with our wonderful border agents. Border Patrol and the ICE agents, unbelievable people, and reviewed prototypes of a new physical wall that will protect our border and protect our country. We don't have a choice. We need it. We need it for the drugs. We need it for the gangs. We need it for lots of reasons. We have to have it. It'll be 99.5% successful. People won't be able to come over it. The drugs will stop by a lot, although we have to get a lot tougher with drug dealers. Have to. But that wall will stop so much. So we're looking for different prototypes. I think it's fascinating. And we have two or three that really work. We have people trying to scale. We've done them every way. You know, I'm a builder. What I do best is build. Okay? You know, other people that build a wall and then say, you know, it doesn't work. Well, wait a minute. We just built a thousand miles of wall. Well, we made a mistake. It doesn't work. We should have done it a different way. We're doing it before we build. Better idea, right? You think? We're going to have a great wall. It's going to be very effective. It's going to stop people from, you're not going to see them climbing over this wall too easily. That I can tell you. I've also called on Congress to close dangerous loopholes that are exploited by traffickers, smugglers, and cartels. Human trafficking in this modern age is worse throughout the world than it's ever been. Who would think that? In this modern human trafficking, is worse than it's ever been. Each of you has sworn an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States. Our task in government is to ensure that we preserve what we have gained through our incredible sacrifice of you and many people before you. That is why my administration is confronting sanctuary city policies that nullify federal law violate our Constitution and threaten the safety and security of our nation. They shield criminals. We can't do that. And that is why we are asking Congress to ensure that no federal funds subsidize this dangerous 
and unlawful behavior. We want to protect you, and we want to protect all of our families. We want to protect our nation. We're also taking action to protect our homeland from rogue actors overseas through enhanced missile defense. We're spending a tremendous amount on missile defense, and that's money well spent. And it's also jobs. We make them here. We make them right here. It's also jobs. We're adding new interceptors, improving sensors, and advancing radar capabilities by many, many times. I have empowered our commanders in Afghanistan with the authorities they need to win, enabling the full might of the American military. The coalition to defeat ISIS has now liberated almost 100 percent of the territory previously held by these terrorists in Syria and Iraq. We did a great job. They would have been around for a long time, and they were getting bigger and stronger, and you saw it. And we knocked the hell out of them. We knocked them. I want to say a special thanks to all of the men and women from the 3rd Marine Aircraft Wing, Miramar Air Station, and stations across the San Diego region, especially the two Miramar-based squadrons who have just returned from deployment the Death Rattlers and the Greyhawks. Where are you? It's a good-looking group. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. Great job. Your service has been extraordinary. We won't let up until ISIS is completely destroyed. ISIS never thought this would happen. They never got hit like this. We took off the gloves. In one year, we did more damage to ISIS than other administrations, a certain other administration did in our year. We took off the gloves. We're also working with allies and partners to block Iran's path to a nuclear weapon and confront its sponsorship of terror and bloodshed all around the world. Everywhere we go in the Middle East, it's Iran, Iran, Iran. Behind every problem is Iran. Well, we're dealing with it in a very serious way. One of the worst deals I've ever seen was the Iran deal. $150 billion we gave them. For what? With your skill and your bravery, I know that the United States military will forever remain the greatest fighting force in the history of the world. And we're making it now with $700 billion and $716 billion the following year for giving you the tools that they were trying to take away from you. So important. And the Marines, as always, will be the tip of the spear. So to the fighting men and women of Miramar and all across 
the San Diego area, we must all think bigger, build faster, push farther, dare higher, and be greater than ever, ever, ever before. Each one of you is vital to our mission. You're fighter pilots, helo pilots, mechanics, engineers, hospital corpsmen, sailors, and sergeants. But above all, you are great American patriots. Great American patriots. You race into battle, rush into fire, fly into danger, and you give all to defend our nation, our people, and the American way of life. And they love you. A century ago, every man who heeded Sergeant Daly's battle cry was pushed on to victory and to glory by that same love of country. As Warren Gulf, Iwo Jima, our young heroes set their eyes upon the same beautiful sight, red, white and blue perched atop that incredible rocky peak. And when Colonel Glenn looked down on the United States as he soared beyond the limits of our atmosphere, he was filled with the same pride of one beating American heart. Our pride makes us strong. Our strength keeps us free. And because of heroes like you, our freedom will never die. We're becoming stronger and stronger and stronger as a nation. And while a lot of you don't think about it, our economy is setting records. Our unemployment is at all-time lows. African-American unemployment is the lowest it's been in history. Hispanic unemployment is the lowest it's been in history. Women unemployment is the lowest it's been in 18 years. And we're setting records. And last week, we had over 150 million people working. That's more people working in our country than ever before in its history. We are making a lot of progress for you. And all across this nation, we pray for our country, and we thank God for our United States Marines. Today and every day, we pledge to remain always faithful. It is an honor to be with you. You are very, very special people. Thank you, God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you, thank you very much.
you made it to the very end of the podcast. I want to say thank you. I appreciate all of your support. I also want to say do something nice for yourself and for somebody else today. It's very important that we start down here on Earth to make this place better before we look up into the sky and go into space. I appreciate if you guys rate this podcast and comment on it. It helps a ton. Thank you again. My name is Will. This has been the Space News by SpaceIndustryNews.com.